0: Welcome back to Beyond the Uniform. I'm Justin Asiri, and my goal is to help members of the military community thrive in their post-service career and life. Today's episode number 412, Hemp and Psychedelics with Devin Alvarez at Straight Hemp.
1: My drive to support... The psilocybin and psychedelic plant legalization has never been to make money. It's always been out of a sense of duty and commitment, you know, to my to my community, to my family.
0: Well, this was not the interview I expected it to be. Um, for context, I had cold emailed Devin a while back because he's here in Denver. I had reached out at a point where I was just trying to get advice from other entrepreneurs. And you know, maybe one out of five people, one out of ten people respond. And Devin not only responded, but he gave me like a page of really detailed answers to all of the questions I had around social media marketing and a bunch of other topics. And based on that, I was like, I just wanna get to know this person more and I invited him on the show. And I had actually intended to spend the bulk of our conversation talking about growth, talking about marketing, because I think he has some really great ideas there. But we ended up going down a different path. He runs a company that he started called StraightHemp.com. They sell different hemp-related products. We talk about CBD and other things in this interview. And he also is an advocate for psychedelics. Personally, I've just read a lot of articles about specifically with PTSD, how this helps people in a therapeutic environment. And we went down that path instead. I'm really happy that we did. Um, Devin is a rare breed of people where... The sense that I got in our conversation is that yes he 's building a company, yes he 's making money, but that 's clearly not what what 's driving him. He is um, very community driven he 's very much about making the world a better place. I know that sounds trite, but it just really I found our interview really um, touching in that sense, and for me as an entrepreneur, it was just helpful to see an example of someone who is so purpose driven. It's also an interview that cost me money. He recommended a book called Dear Founder, which I bought for 12 bucks on Amazon. And um, there's a link to that in the show notes as well if you want to check it out. As always at beyondtheuniform.org, we'll have show notes with links to everything we discuss over 411 other episodes, just like this one, maybe not, using the word psychedelic. This is the first time I've probably used it on the show. But I think I just thought it was a really interesting conversation. I hope you agree. And with that, let's dive into my conversation with Devin. Well, joining me today in Gainesville, Florida, I'm sad he used to be over here near me in Denver, Colorado, but he, he traded mountains for ocean. Um, my guest today is Devin Alvarez. So for our listeners, let me give a quick background. Devin is the founder and CEO of Straight Hemp, uh, using a proprietary extraction math- method to power their leading Straight Hemp family of products. Straight Hemp is positioned to become a top seller in the natural products channel, he started out at the Air Force Academy before switching over to Florida State University. He holds a master's of science from Florida Agricultural and Mechanical University. Uh, in environmental science. In context for how he got here, I had, um, I forget even how I found Devin, I reached out to him by cold email and he had sent me back a bunch of feedback on sales, marketing, brand building, and just really benefited from his advice. So wanted to have him on the show, get more of that advice, and also learn more about what he's up to at Straight Hemp. So maybe to start things off, Devin, if you ran into someone on the streets in Gainesville and they're like, oh, Devin, what do you do for a living? How do you answer that?
1: Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. So, so yeah, if I ran into somebody on the street, I, I would tell them that we, we push for healing with plants, you know, right. We do that really with hemp and we support, you know, some of the psychedelic decriminalization and legalization
0: efforts. So that's what we do. How, how did you get into this as a space? I'm, I'm guessing this was when you were getting your master's degree that you started to get exposed to this, but like, what was your starting point down this path?
1: You know, I grew up in the, in the kind of in the swamps and backwoods of the southeast and there's a lot of plants here and so er, and early on I was always interested in plants and herb herbalism and I'd go look things up when I was a kid and go hunting for it you know it, you know w- I got interested in it when I was back when we were like hunting deer and hunting pig I started getting interested in like uh, foraging and um, in like in college a lot or in high school and 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 things people a lot of people like to smoke pot and I was very um, funny enough, I was like super anti cannabis, and and I didn't, and, and, uh, and uh, which was great for a developing brain. Uh, but uh, and so I became interested in like looking up other types of plants, like mugwort or um, damiana, that I could use instead, and not feel like I was like left out of the cool kids club, but like not mess my brain up. Uh, you know, I went on in, into the military, and of course they're you know very anti drug. Um, unless maybe you're working for the CIA and uh, it wasn't until after I got out. Yeah. After I got out and was at uh FAMU doing the master's work, there was a period in between the military and going back to school at that level that I, you know, got a chance to kind of hit the festival scene and travel around and kind of the neo hippieism, you know, movements. And there were some things I really liked about that. You know, there were things I didn't as well. And, uh, but I just saw, like, you know, there might be a different way. I, you know, personally, I come from a family that had a lot of alcoholism and uh, generationally and also was dealing with the opiates and the pharmaceuticals, which hit the southeast really, really hard. And, um, and so I was always kind of looking for a different solution. I thought maybe if our parents had been able to smoke pot or had more access to other things, they wouldn't have chose these other Paths and um, I became really passionate about working with those kinds of plants. And uh, after kind of going through some of my own healing experiences and healing past traumas and PTSD uh, through the use of those plants, and um, yeah, and then you know, I as a service member with a long lineage of of service in my family's history, uh, I kind of started seeing it as a national defense issue. uh, Essentially, I mean, if our if we're not of sound mod- body and mind as a, as a tribe and we're fractured and we're sick, we're weak. And so so kind of those two identities merged and uh, that's how we got into it.
0: So I, I didn't know when we connected that there's this whole – component of what you're doing, which I want to dive into. But I'll just say from my own experience, I stopped drinking probably three years ago. I'm still occasionally will use cannabis. I feel like it is so baffling to me that as a country, we have stigmatized one substance and not the other. Like I don't really understand how so many people advocate alcohol when I I find that there's so many other things that are so much better for people. I think that alcohol can lead to a lot of destructive behavior that of course can be found elsewhere. But to me, it feels like much less likely. I love that you enter this as kind of, you know, plants in general for healing. I'm a big advocate of ayahuasca and other things like that. There's so many like good substances that can help us in different ways, process trauma, work through grief, things like that. Would love to learn a little bit more because I knew about the hemp work that you're doing, but could you speak to the, the uh, aspects outside of hemp that you work with now?
1: Yeah. So we, uh, let's see, it was 2019 and my friend, Kevin Matthews, a, a West Point guy, he uh, called me and says, do you want to help me decriminalize psilocybin mushrooms? And I, I was like, hell yes, let's do that. And, uh, and so he brought over this petition uh, uh, and I was one of the original petitioners of five. I talked my partner into it as well. And uh, we started that I309 campaign in Denver with him. That was kind of like, the signal fire, I guess, if you will, it kind of started a domino effect to the, with the rest of the country. And so in addition to, you know, putting my, my name out there, uh, we as a company at Straight Hemp uh, funded, you know, we were a fledgling startup and we didn't have a lot of money, but and we, we bootstrapped essentially into our position, uh, but we gave what we could and, and it was the right amount at the right time. And uh, and we, we hosted that uh, organization in our corporate headquarters with office space and things and we participated as an executive advisor strategic advisor to the campaign there supporting Kevin in that work and then you know of course that led to the decriminalization there in Denver which is continuing to uh, move forward through Kevin's work and continue to stay on board as a advisor to that and um, provide a you know, office space, that type, those types of amenities, and essentially in Denver, they're looking at um, now moving forward to approving sort of community use. You know, so so allowing people to be together, gather in circles, and you know, do the group social experience, which can be really supportive to those uh, to those healing efforts, uh, as well as allow the uh, exchanging, gift exchanging, so the giving and, and taking without remuneration, so with no money. Um, and that really kind of opens it up and that's an interesting model because legally if that model's taken then it may eliminate the need for commercial uh, aspects of it and that's one thing a lot of advocates in the psychedelic psilocybin space are hesitant you know they don't want to necessarily see the uh bastardization of it through commercialization efforts which you know there's some a lot of contention around what's happened with the rollout of cannabis and the disenfranchisement of minorities Uh, or the cartelization, you know, turning things into cartels like they have here in Florida uh, with very limited licensure. So that's one aspect of of that work. Uh, I've currently started some conversations here in Florida uh, that will hopefully get to the state attorney's office about, you know, how we might approach decriminalization in Florida. I've been told that, uh, like a civil citation program in cooperation with the state attorney's office might be the best route. Uh, Otherwise, you know, we would need like a statewide... A uh, ballot initiative and like a people's mandate, essentially, to do that.
0: What is Sybil uh, citation? Is that, is that that just means that it's decriminalized and it's it's therefore not that risky? Or what, what does that mean?
1: Yeah, that means like that means that means essentially rather than getting arrested and put in jail for like a, a Schedule I controlled substance, you could you would instead pay a, a fine, which is typically small in, in its amount. Uh, and so that at least keeps you, you out of jail. And that's the decriminalization aspect of it when it moves into the fine category instead of the jail category. You know, I mean, there's not a ton of people, I think, getting arrested for those kinds of things. But it, it raises the level of awareness and the level of acceptance. And, and so essentially in Denver, what was done with that ballot initiative, it was a it was a directive by the people uh, that directed the, the city to... Instruct law enforcement to make it the lowest arrest priority and barred the city's prosecutors from using funds to, to execute on that. And then it, it brought the city into a conversation through the establishment of a panel to study the um, impacts of that policy and make future recommendations.
0: And what about hemp? I uh, interviewed someone years ago about hemp, but um, could you just kind of speak to what it is, what it's used for and how, how you use it?
1: Sure, sure. So aside from using the economic power that we've been able to, you know, generate through the sale of hemp to fund the, uh, the other plant medicines uh, legalizations, man, hemp has many, many uses. I mean, starting obviously with fiber. And uh, food, you know, through the seed, hemp was a required crop all the way since the Re- American Revolution. Some of the initial founding documents were were written on hemp paper, and you know, you were required to pay some of your taxes in hemp uh, at the time if you if you were a landowner. And even into World War II, uh, there was a huge effort uh, through the through the War Department to get hemp production because it was used in the you know in the Navy for sales and rope and all sorts of things and there's some neat videos uh, that are put out by the department at the, at that time about growing hemp in the war effort and, and whatnot and we'll see them all stacking huge cannabis plants you know and, and that's kind of stuff that still goes on uh, in terms of industrial production but most recently you know hemp is a type of cannabis and so is marijuana I mean they're, they're very close it's just the legal difference between the THC content and um, the biggest thing now is the CBD space, and CBD is both a molecule, it's cannabidiol, and it's, a, it's also kind of a market term for all the medicinal products that come from hemp. And so, you know, it's, it's really the essential oils of the hemp plant that CBD is a part of, and those essential oils are the healers, and they can provide really amazing benefit for stress reduction. AKA anxiety, helping improve sleep, getting to sleep and staying asleep, uh, uh, as well as reduction in certain kinds of pain, inflammation in the body. And, and then there's a whole host of other disorders that you know I'm not legally allowed to name uh, because of some uh, FDA laws, but they're out there. You know, People can go to projectcbd.org if they want to kind of get a summary of all the great research that's been done. And I mean, pretty much any disease that you have carries with it all these other issues, right? You're going to be stressed. You're going to be, you might have trouble sleeping from that stress. You're likely going to have pain, you know, as well as like the family around you. I mean, so it's, you know, I mean, especially with the pandemic and everything the country's been through in the last few years, uh, all of that stuff is in a much higher higher level, so its application is more needed than ever and then conversely something that people don't think a lot about um, although everyone's thinking about immunity these days and buying immunity type products is stress pain and sleep have really massive impacts on your immune system and so impacting those getting better sleep and whatnot is going to have a a really it's going to make your immune system more resilient Uh, and so cbd and hemp have the ability to impact that uh, but the kind of the formula that you have is really important, right? Because CBD as a single molecule, which is something that people sell, uh, they sell isolate products, is not really as effective. Uh, and it's hard to dose. It has what's called a biphasic or bell curve response, and uh, where you, if you take too much, you can eventually drop the health effect to nothing. Um, but if you have these other components, and THC is an important component. Uh, and there is THC in full-spectrum hemp products, just not above that legal limit uh, of 0.3%. But that's still enough to make a pretty, pretty good difference. And, uh, and then there are these terpenes. You know, there's terpenes like myrosine or caryophyllene or a host of others. And they do all kinds of interesting things. Like, for instance, the myrosine terpene works on the GABA system. So and that's what alcohol works on. So it's, it's something that helps you relax, and uh, and so you can get these relaxation effects from a, you know hemp without the hangover of alcohol. And so essentially, you know, having a, a really high quality full spectrum product that has a, a ton of terpenes in there and the right kinds of terpenes because there's hundreds of different types of terpenes makes all the difference in the world. And uh, that's what we do at Straight Hemp. We 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 do a uh, water. Extraction from fresh hemp plants to get that essential oil fraction, and then we do you know the uh, CO2 extraction to get the rest of the cannabinoids.
0: Just to make sure I'm tracking and, and correct me if I misinterpret things here. If I step back as a layperson, I see CBD hemp kind of in the same area, non psychoactive, so it's not messing with my head. It's not like a recreational thing. It's much more about. Um, it's it's non-addictive. It's there's a lot of health benefits that people can look into from CBD and hemp. One step over, we've got cannabis, which does have more THC. And, and, and with CBD hemp, my understanding is you know, 0.3% THC. That's essentially the same as like the effective alcohol and cough syrup. It's like, yes, there is alcohol in here or in kombucha, but it's like it's not an extent of alcohol that it's going to impair you. It's similar with with CBD and, and hemp, very low levels that that are legally allowable anywhere. Then you've got cannabis, which is legal in some states, not in others. Booming industry, lots of potential there. And then you've got this third bucket of psilocybin mushrooms that right now seems more exploratory from a therapeutic setting, doing this in a psychology setting or like much more guided structure. Is that, is that kind of a fair understanding of the three groupings or anything you want to Maybe correct that I misinterpreted there.
1: Yeah, I think I think I think your segmentation is spot on. Uh, I, I the one thing I would correct is that cannabis is is the master plant, like it is. It's the genus, right? So it's the it's it's the dog to the, Rottweiler and the and Shih sure. Tzu and um and marijuana are both breeds or strains of cannabis, uh, and so so then you just have the marijuana side and you have the hemp CBD side and and you know people get that confused all the time. It's a, it's a bit of scientific or taxonomic,
0: uh, technicality. Mm. And, and what I find interesting is I, I see, I see a lot of money to be made on the hemp side of things and more of the THC side. Like I see that like big, big business there. It does feel like psilocybin mushrooms like that is much more about, um, You know, there's been a lot of people studying veteran trauma, treated with subacital, and there's a lot of therapeutic benefit there. It doesn't seem like there's a big financial opportunity there. And and to your point earlier, this thought of like gifting, it feels like there's some desire within the community to, to keep the business out of that. And what I find is fascinating is like, it feels like you're doing the hemp business, but you're really... Investing in supporting legalizing this field where there's not a business case—is that—is that just out of passion? Is that out of a sense of um, belief in it, or do you think do you see a business there that's that's lucrative?
1: Yeah, my drive to support the psilocybin and psychedelic plant legalization has never been to make money. It's always been out of a sense of duty and commitment to my community, to my family. To my nation, you know, within that whole industry, there are different groups. You know, like there's a Thai Life Sciences and other corporate entities I could name that are public companies that definitely see a financial opportunity, a business opportunity in it. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not necessarily against that per se, um, but I think it has to occur with, you know, the ability for people to also do the other models, right? Some people are gonna want to go to a clinic or a kind of a structured event retreat space or something like that. And then others are gonna want to do their own thing under their own structure or, you know, what have you. And and so I just want there to be plurality in the marketplace and freedom, essentially, and liberty. And that's what we stand for with that. I, you know, I yeah, so I my I personally haven't planned any businesses around that. And I don't really think I ever will.
0: I just respect the purity of intention that you're bringing to this. Like it's very clear that you're, you're passionate about serving and helping others. And yeah, I just really admire the way that you're investing your energy, time and money into something that helps the community, even though there's not a clear business path there. I think that's very powerful. And, um, what I'm imagining is you bring that intentionality into the products that you do at Straight Hamp of wanting it to be pure and clean. Like, I, I feel like there's a lot of murkiness in this space, and I, as a consumer, don't really know what I'm getting. And it feels like um, where ve- vegetables were 20 years ago, where it's like, what is organic versus like pesticides? Like, there's just like no understanding of what we're putting in our bodies. And so I just wanted to name that, that I appreciate that. And I imagine that you really, it's important to you that the products you're selling are really clean and pure and not um, cutting corners to just make a buck right now.
1: Yeah, it's, it's very important to us. You know, I my mother was... Uh, gonna die from an opiate addiction that she was prescribed and uh, I couldn't find I couldn't find a product that I trusted you know I'd, I'd worked in quality control with marijuana uh, with the state for uh, a while and and knew the ins and outs as you as you're saying I mean it's it's mur- it's very murky and uh, and we decided to just launch a, a brand that was very clear didn't cut corners and uh, you know we we manufacture everything per FDA standards and we have you know the facilities registered with them, and uh, we test every batch for everything. You know all the contaminants and the cannabinoid levels, and um, I, I we probably uh, you know inve- We invested in technology, like formulation technology, and quality control and manufacturing um, before we really invested in marketing and branding. So we really put we put the quality first, and and we're now kind of in a push to get the brand uh, out there more, more than, than it has been. And, um, you know, we could have gone with a, like a contract manufacturer and just had other people make our stuff and accept, you know, kind of whatever is out already out there. Uh, but, uh, we wanted it to be the most effective, highest quality product we could. And, and you kind of have to own it to do that.
0: That's great. Very, uh, I know we're towards the end of our time here, very different Course of conversation that I expected coming into it, and I, I am mourning a little bit that we didn't have more time to talk about the business aspects of things. But I really am just intrigued by this space, and I feel like you're among the forefront of people that I know that are doing this. So I appreciate that. Where can people find out more? I made a note for our show notes of uh, projectcbd.org. But um, where can people find more about you, more about Straight Hemp?
1: Yeah, so straighthemp.com. That's the website. And uh, that's going to be going through some updates as we launch uh, the branding around this, these formulas that I've been talking to you about. They're already in the, the products, but we haven't put it out there. And then I guess I, I personally don't have any information out there on the web. Uh, people, people can find me on LinkedIn if, if they want to get in touch. Uh, just my name. And uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I would, uh, if I had any advice for entrepreneurs getting started, I'd I just say go for it. You know, I've had a number of I failed a number of times, uh, and, and so I've learned a lot, and it was all of those lessons that you know became bricks in what we've built today. If, if anybody's out, out there is currently in a business and it's young, I would recommend a book uh, called Dear Founder by, uh, I forget the uh, author's name at the moment, but that is an awesome book. It's not like a read cover to cover kind of thing, it's like a consult when you have certain issues kind of a thing, and uh, it's been very helpful going through the journey. And don't skimp on legal and accounting services. Like Get get that stuff down
0: uh, early. Um, I will put this in the show notes, but it's Dear Founders, Letter of Advice for Anyone Who Leads, Manages, or Wants to Start a Business by Maynard Webb. I'll, I'll include the link to... Uh, where you can get that, I'm going to check that out as well. Thank you, Devin. I, I am grateful we were able to connect on video here and on audio for our audience. And I hope that our listeners reach out. I'm going to take a look at your website too. And I, I haven't done a lot of CBD or looked into that, but I just understand the health benefits and respect the way that you're approaching this. Of, of, I mean, the fact that you invested in quality controls before marketing is so revealing. I just. I'm so jaded. I feel like every industry is the opposite, which is like scale, 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 grow, 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 sales, marketing, sales, marketing, rather than let's create the best product that we can. And in your case, that means you know, making sure that it's not doing harm, that it's that it's living up to what it says it should. So I, as a fellow entrepreneur, I respect that because I often feel the need to grow. Mine my, my is software, right? But we'll produce buggy software sometimes rather than slowing down and doing things right. And um, so, yeah, it's been awesome talking to you on this. Thanks, Justin. Yeah, you're a good interviewer, so. Surface, surface, surface. <laughs> Beyond the Uniform is written and produced by me, Justin Asiri, with the help from our chief of staff, Steve Bain, our editor, Lex Brown, and our head of social media, Janelle Hanf. We are an all-volunteer organization and would greatly appreciate your help in any of the following ways. First of all, spread the word. Beyond the Uniform has over 380 podcast episodes and 15 on-demand webinars, all offered for free. Help us spread the word on social media at military bases or whatever gets this resource in front of the men and women who need it. Positive reviews on iTunes go a long way towards this as well. Second of all, sponsorship. Beyond the Uniform relies on sponsorship to keep us going. There is so much more we'd like to do, but just don't have nearly the resources to do it. If you know of a company that would advertise in any way with Beyond the Uniform, please send them our way third of all, donations. If you're in a financial position to donate, you can find more information on the support section of our website. At our website, beyondtheuniform.org, you'll find over 380 episodes categorized by industry, functional role, and more. You'll also find both free and for-purchase resources that take a deeper dive on topics related to career growth. Thank you for your support as we aim to help members of the military and their families thrive in their post-military career and life.